0: Hello and welcome to Produce Talks, the CPMA podcast. I am your Produce Talks host, Ian Brody. This episode is all about plastic packaging. We'll be taking a look at what consumers are thinking about plastic packaging with insights from Abacus Data. And we'll also take a look at recycling and sustainability practices coming out of the water bottling industry. Let's get to it. Plastic packaging is a contentious subject around the world, with measures to reduce or eliminate single-use plastics being implemented by individual families, by governments, by NGOs, and by businesses of all shapes and sizes. As plastics pollute our oceans and find their way into landfills, a major global crisis is emerging. The damaging effects of a growing disposable culture around the world and plastics in our ecosystem has become more and more present in mainstream media and social media. CPMA has recognized the need for an integrated industry approach that best meets regulatory requirements while keeping produce safe and affordable for the end consumer. With that in mind, the CPMA Plastics Packaging Working Group was established to identify efforts already underway within the industry, determine best practices, and develop an industry-supported roadmap to maintaining food quality and safety while reducing the environmental impact of plastics. Part of the work coming out of the Plastics Packaging Working Group is a Consumer Insights survey conducted by Abacus Data. And we kick off today's episode with David Coletto, CEO of Abacus Data. Welcome, David. Thanks for having me in. All right, so I, I appreciate you uh, you taking the time. Uh, obviously, this is a, a busy time for you right now in, in October. Uh, you had mentioned for, for pollsters, it's, it's, it's like a Super Bowl, but it's not just one day. It's spread out over... Uh, Quite a quite a few.
1: Forty-one day Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, the forty-one we're getting day close Super Bowl. To the end now when we're recording this, but not quite. But we're yeah. getting there.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's right. So today is uh, let's see. today's October fifteenth. Uh, the election is on uh, Monday, uh, and this episode is going to be released at the end of October. So, with that being said, let's see if you could it's break it. out your uh, your crystal ball. Do you have a prediction that you could give us?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's you know this is like the worst type of prediction because like you're actually going to be able to hold me accountable after, and people are going to be listening. To me like, he was so wrong. Look, um, even today, um, I think it's really too close to call. Frankly, I think uh, over the weekend, the last few week, we've seen some movement in the polls. The NDP's up, the Bloc is up in Quebec, um, but the Liberals and the Conservatives nationally are still, you know, one or two points, uh, depending on the poll, ahead or behind each other. I think it's most likely looking like we're going to have a minority government Mm -hmm. of some sort. But, um, you know, just in the last few days, there's been talk of coalition and the Conservatives pushing back on the idea that the NDP and the Liberals might work together. And so I'm not even sure how over the next six days that all works itself out. But it has been a really interesting election. Um, I'm doing no favors to our listeners by saying, I really don't know how this will end, except that it's going to likely be close. And whatever parliament comes after it, is going to be more fractured and there'll be likely more voices influencing government policy than we've had over the last eight years.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The the election really sets the stage uh, for a conversation on plastics, Uh, getting to the the topic at hand today, as two key issues to voters are cost of living and climate change. Mm -hmm. So I think it really sort of sets the stage for for that discussion um, on plastics in, in the produce industry.
1: It really does, right? Those two... Uh, throughout this election campaign, you know, the parties have been really outbidding each other on who is going to make life more affordable for Canadians. And at the same time, there's been an incredible focus, more, probably more than ever before, on the environment and climate change as being issues. You had those, you know, the student strike and the protests earlier in the campaign. And I think you're right that the issue of plastics and produce or plastics in the grocery store, um, really, those two issues come together. And what we're talking about, the survey of Canadian consumers, it's clear that there's a lot of desire to see the amount of plastics reduced. There's recognition that single-use plastic in particular is not necessarily a great thing and that we should be reducing its use, broadly speaking, across all parts of our lives. But on the other hand, our research also shows that people are concerned with the cost of living. They recognize and report that the cost of food in particular is a pain point, In their lives, and so any public policy um, choice, any uh, direction that that the industry goes in, I think has to recognize that those two issues are, from the consumer's mind, fundamental in how this issue gets solved. Fix this problem, reduce the amount of plastic, but do so in a way that doesn't increase the cost of food or affect the availability of certain products, Mm -hmm. or, as we'll talk about more, the the longevity of certain products. So, in other words, do it, but don't change anything (laughs) that affects my quality of life, uh, the availability of certain products, or the cost I'm going to have to pay. Yeah. Which is usually what consumers tell us.
0: So, yeah, we'll we'll get into the study. So, uh, this past summer, uh, you conducted a a market research study for CPMA as part of the work that's coming out of our plastics packaging uh, working group. So, what were the objectives for this study?
1: Well, I think there were two primary objectives, and it was, one, to inform the work of the working group um, to make sure that the voice of the consumer was was included in, in, in the decision-making and the deliberations. Um, and, and two was to really better understand how public attitudes, consumer attitudes have been shifting, right? Because we had seen quite dramatically how fast I think consumers views on, on plastics have, had, had sh- has shifted, right? There was only almost a year ago where the whole plastic straw phenomenon happened and how quickly, you know, food service providers had to shift because the demand from consumers was so strong and the, the reaction was so swift. So we wanted to make sure that we were informing the, the conversations and anything that comes out of the working group is is grounded in good market research. And then to making sure that we had a good grasp, actually, of, of where the consumer was and how and how that views were, were evolving.
0: Right. Yeah, it's about getting more informed so that we can make the best decisions and, and Uh, support policy, I guess, going forward? The way that we approached
1: this research was to recognize that this issue is both a consumer issue and a public policy issue, right?
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: so at any given time, a consumer is both a consumer and a citizen. And understanding how they bridge their views on climate change, the environment, sustainability more broadly, with their preferences as a consumer was, was a key part of um, the design of this study and what we were trying to understand.
0: So uh, let's let's dig into it a little bit. What, what were some of the key highlights in in the study when it came to consumers' views on plastics?
1: Well, I think the starting point is to recognize that a clear majority of the country, 63% said, they strongly believe that they we need to reduce the amount of single-use plastics in our lives. And we defined what single-use plastic was for them. And so that's the starting point, is that most Canadians, you know, either believe that it's critically important that we do something about this, or they're concerned about it. And there's very few who say this isn't something that industry, or government, or society more generally has to has to come at. And it's it's pretty consistent across age groups, across the country. Um, what we what we did see was some differences of opinion across uh, uh, by type of consumer. So consumers who typically cared more about the convenience of certain products or the longevity of, of, of produce products, were less likely, a little less likely to be as concerned about single-use plastic overall, but it was pretty consistent across the board. The other thing that we learned was, were our perceptions today. And there is a general sense first that when, you know, the average consumer walks into the produce department of their grocery store, they believe there is too much single-use plastic being used. Mm-hmm. And when we ask, "Do you think it's getting worse or is it getting better?" most people say, "I don't notice it getting better or worse either way that that things are staying pretty 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 static and so that's the that's the current perception that we need to reduce overall that there's probably too much being used right now, and that 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 they aren't noticing you know a clear shift either way. Mm-hmm. The other key piece about public perceptions about this issue is when we ask them do you think it'd be easy or difficult uh, to reduce substantially the amount of single-use plastics in the produce department for fresh fruit and vegetables? How hard would it be for CPA members to actually reduce this? And what we learn is that a lot of Canadians, a lot of consumers don't have very clear views, right? Their their instinct is to think, I think it would be fairly easy to to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. But there's very few people who say it's impossible or it's super easy, which I think gives industry space to to come up with some creative solutions, right? Because people aren't instinctively saying, I know this is a problem and it's easy to solve, so you go out and fix it. No, they're saying, I know this is a problem and it's not obvious to them how we really figure it out. I think there's a solution, but it won't necessarily be super easy to do. And I think that's important because it it allows, I think, industry to be thoughtful, come up with solutions and not be pushed uh, too hard into making a decision that, that really affects the consumers negatively, and and I think that's what we really learned out of this out of this research. So that's that's the the core perceptions I think that are the starting point to how consumers come at this issue. Right. And an organization, whether it's an entire sector or an individual brand or company, its reputation will increasingly be tied to whether or not the public believes they're sincerely interested or care about reducing their. Environmental footprint, right? So, being just talking about it, demonstrating the effort um, and work that certain organizations are doing is really important. I'm not talking about greenwashing; like you have to you have to do something, mm-hmm. but it's important to talk about what you're doing. And I think what we've learned, even in our initial conversations with the working group, is that maybe the produce sector doesn't talk enough about the things it's already doing, and that is a big, uh, a big step. One of the things we also learned was that people, on the one hand. You know, want action. They want to see reductions in single-use plastic. But one of the other big questions we wanted to explore was: Do people recognize there's potential consequences for yeah. a reduction?
0: And that goes back to perhaps that that conflict that exactly. that consumers have, like in terms of okay, I want to reduce my plastics. I, I want to do what's right for the environment, but at the same time. We get into okay, all these things that plastics can can provide uh, in terms of maintaining quality, maintaining freshness, uh, maintaining food safety, um, yep. preventing from from damage. So, going back to the study, uh, I saw that you kind of used uh, strawberries, strawberry packaging as as a test. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it was an interesting. So we used we we showed two p- images. We did the survey online, so we could show p- uh, respondents images, and we showed them. Um, strawberries in a clamshell, plastic clamshell, and strawberries in a cardboard basket. And we said, okay, consider these two options and, and now ask a few questions. And what we did is we wanted to see, do, do, do consumers, does the type of packaging signal to them something about the product itself and about the conditions by which that product got there, right? Costs, ease of shipping, um, will it last you know, on the shelf or in the fridge or on the counter, all those kinds of things. And what was interesting was, most people recognized or thought that the cardboard basket was the better choice for the environment, right? 62% said it was, the, it was uh, clearly the, the more uh, environmentally friendly option. Mm-hmm. But That was the only item in which that basket beat out the clamshell. On things like easier to transport, will keep the berries safe from contamination, easier to see the, the berries themselves, um, less likely to damage the fruit and will keep the berries longer, uh, fresher for longer. The clamshell went out over um, the basket. What's interesting is, at least again, this is hypothetical, it's in a survey, so everyone needs to always bear that in mind. But when we asked which of these two packaging likely contains the higher quality fruit, neither package went out. It was basically a split, hmm. uh, three ways between you know, the, the the clamshell versus the basket versus well, neither of them have a better one. So that was an interesting um, learning. And, and, but when we ended up asking them, okay, but which one, assume, you know, the price is the same and you can get, this, you know, the same amount of strawberries by each package, which would you want? Which package would you prefer? By about a 57% to 43 they picked the basket, the, the cardboard. So even though it, only on one attribute did the basket win out, when in this hypothetical situation, people still went towards the basket, even though they thought that the the clamshell might be better for certain attributes. So it's a right. it's a really interesting, I think, exercise to show what what signals these packaging types send to people, and perhaps how increasingly concern about the environment might might overtake people's. Um, preferences in the grocery store when if they've got choice between different products and different types of packaging
0: mm-hmm. and i think that one of the key points in that question was assuming the price is the same and i think that that's sort yeah. of that that remaining factor that you know maybe we'll we'll see alternative packaging uh come into play that could be be done at the same price but obviously that's an important factor for not only the consumers, but of course, retailers, growers, shippers, everybody across the supply chain. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see uh, how this how this sort of evolves over the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, and, and I guess the, the only other point I'll add about the price and affordability, because we, we talked about that earlier, about it being so important, is I think the public, a lot of consumers recognize that if we were to eliminate most single-use plastic packaging in produce, that it would have likely, in their minds, a impact on the price of that product, on the price of shipping, Mm -hmm. because, you know, there would be more waste or there would be more damage to products or the longevity of those products wouldn't last as long. And so there is a recognition, right? This is this balancing. I think the 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 public often are pretty reasonable with their views on this. The other thing that was important, not just on price, is the third dimension, which we haven't even brought up yet, is food waste itself and how much food waste does a plastic packaging actually prevent and understanding that in terms of coming up with a solution, I think will be important because the public is mindful of it. Mm -hmm. We have been primed, you know, over the last few years to recognize the impact that food waste has on climate change itself. And so it's part of the mix that I think uh, that, that the industry needs to, and and does bring up, but recognize that the public's there with them on on asking those kind of questions.
0: So, Getting into another question, you asked, do produce companies care about the amount of plastics? Um, and, and so that's another question that you asked to to consumers to provide more insights on, on the views on how produce companies are doing when it comes to plastics. So what did you find there?
1: We actually found, you know, this was one of the more negative results for the industry. It's like 70% of respondents said they didn't feel they that the industry cared enough, right? That they don't really care all that much about finding ways to reduce the amount of plastic. And so this comes back to something, you know, we mentioned earlier about how important it is for industry to be talking about this, to be being seen as being proactive. Because right now, I think public perception is that maybe producers and retailers aren't that engaged in this, right? And so uh, I do think that that there is room here for improvement, and I think the you know I actually believe that the work that CPMA is doing is really important because it's it's putting the industry ahead of actually a lot of other sectors, um, and and will help fight that public perception that you know producers aren't actually that concerned about this issue.
0: Definitely, and I think I mean produce when you walk into the grocery store, produce is the first thing that that you see, and from the consumer perspective, that the consumer that's going to the grocery store. Along their experience as, as a consumer from buying the good to taking it home to cooking it, it's that first step in, in their experience as a consumer. So even though produce isn't even anywhere near the number one contributor of single-use plastics in, in the whole system of, of plastics, that's not what the consumer sees. I think in, in the consumer's eyes, because it's that first contact in the grocery store, it becomes a little bit more prominent for them.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It's high profile. It's, it's, it's there, it's present. And you have to also keep in mind that while we might buy, you know, a laundry detergent jug, which is all plastic and put it in the shelf and we might use it every week. It, we're not throwing it out every week, whereas it might feel like we're throwing Mm -hmm. out more plastic related to produce because it's, it's coming in and out of the house more often than some of the other products that we use. So I live, I always say as a market researcher, I live in the world of perception reality doesn't often matter it's what i think and what i assume and feel every day and i think that's that's a lot of what you were just describing is that produce is front and center it's it's there it's present and as a result it's it's often overestimated its impact and so it 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 creates even more an impetus mm-hmm. for industry to um to step up and be seen as being proactive on
0: this right uh to sum up i guess what were the other big takeaways from the study? You know, where, where should companies go from here?
1: Well, I think the, you know, there's, there's a few things that, that stand out to me. One is I do think we are seeing an increased recognition by the consumer of not just, you know, their individual impact, but perhaps the responsibility that, you know, producers and retailers and everybody in the sort of business, and consumer ecosystem have to play in this process. And as concern about climate change continues to grow, and I think it will over the next few years, even more than it is today, and it's probably never been higher, that's going to put more onus on on all of us, um, individuals, but also industry and government, just to sort of find solutions to this. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think we also learned from this research that it's not it's not an easy solution, right? That even the typical Canadian consumer sees the the, 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 the trade offs and you know the pros and cons of moving towards a you know a zero plastic environment if that's even possible. And they recognize that there's gonna be an impact potentially on cost. There's going to be an impact on longevity. There's going to be an impact on transportation, on food waste. And so finding that sweet spot is what this is all about. Finding a sweet spot that brings the amount of plastic down, but at the same time doesn't create a backlash from consumers who say, I don't want to pay more or I still want to get strawberries in, you know, um, all year long. That's going to be, you know, uh, the point at which I think industry and, and um, government have to work together. And what we, you know, the final point I'll make is there's not a great desire for government using a heavy hand on this. Um, at the end of the survey, we asked, you know, what's your best, what's the most preferred approach to how you think this issue should be dealt with? And at the end of the day, which is not surprising because we're Canadian, most Canadians say, let's let's find a collaborative way. Industry and government should work together to find solutions that make sure that we can get all the produce we want. That the cost is is contained as much as possible, mm-hmm. but that we do what we can. Uh, to protect the environment. And, and there is little desire to see an outright ban, you know, government forcing uh, certain types of behavior that they recognize that this is probably more nuanced than it might originally have been. So I think that's the most important thing is that that nuance and that balance is is I think what consumers are actually looking for. And, and that is often the case in a lot of this kind of work that we do.
0: Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for your insights, David. It's been great working with you and your team at Abacus on this uh, important issue.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, Ian.
0: And now a quick word from our sponsor, Nature Fresh Farms.
3: Hi, everyone. It's Lucy from the Nature Fresh Farm team. We are always trying to think outside of the box when researching and designing new product. And one of the biggest challenges our industry is facing right now is creating greener and more sustainable packaging. We know that consumers are pushing back against plastic in the produce department, which is why we are on a mission to discover more sustainable packaging options that meet their needs. To find out more, please visit www.naturefresh.ca.
0: And next up on the show, we have Crystal Howe, Sustainability Manager at Ice River Springs. Welcome, Crystal.
3: Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me.
0: Why don't we start off and talk a little bit about Ice River? You know, how how did the company get started? And can you talk a little bit about Ice River Springs?
3: Ice River Springs is a family-owned and operated company. We've been around since 1995. We actually started as a fish farm um, and ended up moving towards bottled water. What we found with farming as a background, that we wanted to make sure everything we did was environmentally sound and that we were always making the right choice uh, with sustainability in mind. So we started recycling and using, uh, I guess, producing a bottle that's 100% recycled PET, which is new to the, new to the market, um, and it's something that just wasn't happening before we arrived. What we found that it, about 2016, um, we determined that we needed a sustainability manager, and so that's where my role began, but prior to that, we've always been very quiet, very humble about what we do. I think probably part of that is the farmer background. But we determined in 2016 that we had to start telling our story because really we need to start developing sustainable businesses and encouraging others to do the same kind of thought process that we that we do every day here um, to help drive sustainable business development in Canada.
0: Right. Now, and, and I'm looking at the Ice River Springs bottle right now. I, uh, I had one uh, lying around the house. It's a green bottle. Uh, obviously, certainly kind of highlights that that sustainability um, side. And it says bottle made from 100% recycled plastic, 100% PET uh, recycled plastic. And, and that sounds like an exceptional accomplishment.
3: Yes, it definitely is. You know, we produced the green bottle, our own brand in green, because that stream of plastic was a difficult one to find and use for. So we thought, hey, we'll just use it for our own. Um, The majority of our PET that comes through the Blue Box program is actually clear and blue, and that goes out to the rest of our customers. Mm -hmm. But what we found at the beginning was actually people told us we couldn't do this. (laughs) Even while we were doing it, we were told, no, it's not possible. You can't do that. Um, But the interesting thing and something great that we have that a lot of companies don't have right now is this co-founder, Jamie Gott. And I feel like he has really driven us to push our limits. So he wanted us to try lots of different things, you know, try PLA, try Tetra Pak, uh, move towards recycled content, the green bottle, as you speak about it, the caps that can be turned into chairs. He's always driven us to be vertically integrated, to be self-reliant and always keep sustainability at top of mind. So I think that pushes us to be ahead of the curve and always driving for the next best thing that we can move towards.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, so you mentioned the Blue Box program. Do you take in a a significant portion of, of, of the recycled plastics from the program?
3: Yes. Uh, We we take the PET portion of what comes through the blue box. So we take about 85% of what's sold in Ontario.
0: um,
3: And we can, yeah, it's a a significant amount. But what's nice is that it creates value for the blue box and helps to uh, recover some of those costs for stewards as well.
0: And I saw on your website that you you frame it as as a closed loop business model. Um, Can you explain that a little bit?
3: I think the the neat thing about Ice River is that, especially here in Ontario, we deliver water down to the city on a regular basis. When we drive our trucks down to the city, we can drive five to ten minutes from our delivery location and go pick up PET bales from the closest MRF, or a material recovery facility. Then we drive them back up to Shelburne here, BMP, and we drop them off. We get loaded up with some nice clean flake from the recycling facility, Take that up to Feversham, which is about 25, 30 minutes from here, where they turn it into food-grade resin, and we make our bottles and fill them with water again. So the idea of the closed loop is we never have an empty truck. We're using what already exists here, and the closed loop is very, very strong in Ontario. That circular economy uh, mindset is really growing, and we're happy to be a part of it
0: those were quite a few steps that that you laid out. What are some of the biggest challenges when it comes to recycling plastics? You know, like I've, I've read about, you know, how different municipalities will, will have different regulations or processes. Um, There's, you know, things like mixed materials, a a pad at the bottom of a a clamshell package might not make it recyclable depending on the municipality and all these sorts of things. So what what would you say are some of the biggest challenges when it comes to uh, recycling plastics?
3: I would say, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with the municipal recycling systems being different across Ontario. Um, it'd be really nice if we could move towards the harmonized system that I know our government is working towards, which is we're very happy with that. At that point, we can start educating the consumer on what should go in and in what form it should go in. So for us, we want the cap on the bottle. Um, and then that then it allows that cap to be recycled. So just simple things like that with the harmonized system would be so much easier, and I think the consumer would appreciate that as well. Mm-hmm. From a contamination standpoint, uh, the Blue Box does have contamination in it. We all know that. Um, things like PLA can be a contaminant, uh, bio-based plastics, compostables that are not visually different from PET, multilayer layer multi-material. So again, the the PET clamshell with that pad in the bottom can be a problem. Um, Also PETG, so PET that has been altered in some form. But what we find at Ice River is that we just work to kind of work around those issues. We want to see that material clean up, definitely. PET is highly recyclable, but the contamination is a problem. Um, But we'll we'll always work towards better. and, And I think some being able to work with the CPMA and and get that information out is really important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, That kind of leads into my next question a little bit, you know, from, from your experience at Ice River, what are some of the biggest takeaways that you can pass on to, to the produce industry?
3: So we've, we've learned a lot over the last (laughs) 10 years. Yeah, of course. Um, But there are some, some good learnings for sure. So I think starting with reducing your packaging, And reducing the items that really just don't fit in the blue box program at all can be a good place to start. Using materials that have that circular economy um, attached to them, that they they add value, and that keeping that end of life in mind when you're designing packaging, Mm -hmm. that's always key. For us, we started by reducing our packaging first. So when we first got into the industry, we had water bottles going into a box, and then we moved to a tray with film, we, then we moved to film only, and then we lightweighted that film. So just moving along, again, taking a step in the right direction each time, we, we lightweighted our bottle from 20 grams down to eight and a half, we lightweighted our cap, um, moving towards post-consumer content is always really a benefit because of the carbon footprint reduction and the I guess, less reliance on virgin product. And then the other major piece we talk about is the function over aesthetic. So does the packaging function as it needs to? Does it accomplish its job? Um, Does it necessarily have to look perfect to do it? And can we teach consumers that it it might be better to not have so much of an aesthetic focus and move towards just function?
0: Yeah. We we kind of talked a little bit earlier on in the show. Consumers are reasonable and would certainly be able to i guess get on board in in terms of you know maybe not so much buying based on the aesthetic but based on knowing that okay this is less plastic or this is a better plastic or or whatever it is
3: and i think simplifying it i mean when you look at the shelf you can see where where there is overpackaging um and i think even even our kids are starting to recognize overpackaging so it it's definitely consumers are becoming very well educated on this
0: are, are there any specific challenges that, you know, again, from from your experience, that, that you would maybe, like, foresee uh, for the produce industry?
3: I think there's a really obvious one, and that is the shelf life versus packaging balance.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: I totally understand that's not something that we really have to worry about with water, Um in a PET package, our water has a two-year life, so minimum. So that's that's a huge benefit for us. But I think definitely that's going to be an issue for, for you guys. Um, and finding that balance, I think the key is to find the balance and then be able to defend it factually, science-based. Um, and then just to always work towards better, driving that industrial change. So don't just accept what is Able to happen now, but really look for what can we do in the future. And sometimes those like wild ideas that people come out with can end up being amazing solutions.
0: Yeah, certainly being being open, uh, being innovative, being proactive. Um, and and on on the point of food waste, like, like you said, it's it's, it's a balance. Um, the, we talked a little bit earlier as well about. Um, the benefits of of plastic packaging, and when we talk about shelf life, and when we talk about food safety, and protecting the commodity from from damage or anything like this. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah, ama- I think, yeah. Go ahead.
3: Sorry, I was just going to say. I think I I heard somebody recently say that the world needs plastic. It was developed for good reasons, and for like you know, for your example, food safety um, and shelf life and transportation reductions in weight, but it doesn't need plastic waste. So that's kind of the the route that Ice River's going on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it certainly sounds like you're taking a collaborative approach, you know, working with government and working with the Blue Box program. It's business and government side by side in some ways.
3: Right. We're, I think we all have a part to play in it. Consumer, producer, government. And if we all work together, which is interesting To me, because sustainability kind of draws everybody together to work at at the same level together, Um, I think we can find great solutions.
0: Absolutely. Are there any other best practices, you know, that that you'd recommend?
3: I think the low-hanging fruit piece. (laughs) Go after the stuff that you can change right away. Make those changes. Um, Again, back to having that open discussion in your companies and, you know, opening it up, bottom up, everybody having their opinion can, can be really beneficial. Um, understanding that you're not going to save the world in a day. So every little movement in the right direction is a good one. The last piece that I would add is that I am really excited to see that you guys are making decisions for the right reasons and moving towards just a better packaging line. Um, consumer perception and bottom line is often where we go to. But I think we also have to take the steps to to educate ourselves and make sure that that we're making the right choices for years in the future.
0: Mm -hmm. Good to be at the forefront of it, for sure.
3: You guys are doing great work.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Crystal. Have a great day. Okay. You too. A big thank you to David and Crystal for joining me on this episode. A couple of reminders. Check out cpma.ca forward slash education to learn more about our e-learning courses, Produce Basics and Produce Essentials. Keep up to date with CPMA by following us on Twitter and LinkedIn and click that subscribe button for Produce Talks on iTunes, Google Play and Spotify. Until next time, fill half your plate with fruits and veggies, continue to seek out new knowledge and basically never stop growing.